Welcome to Archery Talk 101 podcast, your guide to better archery skills. We'll bring you the latest tips, tricks, and expert advice, but that's not all. We'll also have interviews with top archers and industry professionals and reviews of the latest gear and equipment and much more. Hi, my name is Roy Canterbury and we host the Arch Talk 101 and we have a special guest on the line with us, Logan. Uh, he's going to tell us what's going on in his world of archery. But before we get started that, I'll let you know the Arch Talk 101 Facebook group is, is associated with this one. I, I also run that one as well. Uh, that's a group for those that want to get into archery and whether you're a beginner or advanced, a professional, an Olympic archer, we have all of them in the group. If you have a problem with your form or your bow, just upload a video and tell us what's going on and we'll get, glad, gladly give you a little hand. Well, welcome to the show, Logan. Thank you. How are you doing, Roy? Doing great. Another Father's Day, we're recording this one and, and you know, us fathers need to have fun on Father's Day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Happy Father's Day, everyone. Uh, beautiful Sunday here in Iowa. Yeah, and it's it's a nice day here in Nebraska. We're not too far apart. I'm in eastern Nebraska between Omaha and Lincoln, and I forget where you're at in Iowa, but where about in Iowa are you from? Oh, no, I, I think it froze. There, there we are. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, darn internet. I thought it might be my end because I actually got a program running in the background that's rendering a, a video I created. Oh, actually the okay. podcast i recorded a podcast earlier today and and it's gone through and i, I made a mistake and i hit the, the stop record and had to start it again and then i had to merge them together <laughs> nice nice so i thought it might be my uh, my end doing that but uh whereabouts in iowa are you from uh i'm from uh sheraton iowa um down i'm pretty close to missouri border but i grew up in seymour which is even closer small oh, town okay yeah, small town. I, I'm in Ithaca in between Omaha and Lincoln, which uh, uh, it's not even a town. It's a village. Yep, uh, yeah. yeah. Five houses. Uh, 100, 168 people in Ithaca. <laughs> so it's it's yeah. a small village, which is nice because, hey, you don't have much going on. You know, yeah. our traffic jams here are uh, two cars behind a combine. That's a traffic jam here. <laughs> That's right. Same here. Um, yeah, I in a good sized town now, but I grew up in a town about 500 people. So, yeah, there's there can be advantages and disadvantages, but you know, hey, yeah, I, I would try to be here than in a big city. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And as far as Whitetail, you you sure want to be further away from population. Yeah. And and I see them within a mile of my house. I see them, and we have a big old flock of turkeys that it, it's around here. And uh, yeah, I've seen like probably three dozen turkeys in a flock. You know, you know, within a, within a mile of my house. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Yeah, it's nice to see the the populations up on Turkey because then you know deer's doing all right usually. Yeah. Well, we don't have much pheasant anymore, and I think the turkeys are kind of taking over for the pheasants. And gotcha. Yeah, you you don't get as many birds, but they're sure a whole lot bigger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We get we got a decent bird population down here. Um, which I'm kind of surprised by. We've had really bad droughts the last few summers, and um, but our bird population seems really well off, so that's good. Yeah, that's always good. So what what made you uh, pick up the bow for the first time? Uh, so I picked a bow up a few years ago, and uh, 
Well, it would have been probably almost 10 years ago now. And I picked a bow up. I wanted to get in tune with nature. I've been hunting my whole life, but I hadn't bow hunted before. And so um, I went out and I, and I sat down and I, I just did it old, old style, you know, that no stand, um, kind of just knew where the deer were traveling. And that's, that's what I went with. So did you start off with the recurve or just started in with the compound? Compound. Started out with compound. the compound ball um, and just sitting up against a tree, standing or sitting up against a tree, old style. Um, I, I learned a lot. I definitely learned a lot <laughs> of what not to do. Yeah, yeah well, uh, you know, lots of times learning what not to do is better than trying to figure out what to do. And, you know, yeah. there's been many cases where, um, yeah, you failed multiple times and then you got it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I like to use the example WD-40. You know, it's water displacement formula. And this is formula number 40, which actually worked. Yeah. 39 yeah. didn't work. So, you know, they <laughs> failed 39 times before they got one right. And uh, the same thing, you know, with sticky notes. You know, they're trying to yeah. develop an adhesive and found out those like, oh, it sticks, but it, it doesn't really stick. And it, you can put it on and off and sticky notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. You got to fail to get to where you want to be. Uh, that's the same yeah. with bow hunting and, and about everything else outdoors. Yeah, you, you go in there and you, you you do something wrong and you spook the deer off, then it's like, well, don't do that. Yeah, or, that, that didn't or work. You, or you draw back and shoot your arrow and completely miss the whole thing. And then later on, you, and then you take a practice shot out of the same stand, hit the leaf you're aiming at. For, uh well, I better aim next time. <laughs> you can't just point, you just can't point it at the deer and expect it to go where you want. <laughs> and then there's the famous uh, oh I got this one and uh, oh I didn't realize there was a stick right there. <laughs> you know, and you bounce an arrow. I I've done that. I I I shot one one time and I caught a branch I did not see had a, yeah. a luminock in it. And of course, my I found my arrow, but no luminock. It, it hit just right, so it blew that luminock out. So it it, <laughs> it didn't it didn't turn it on. You know, it didn't stay on because it's on, and then it went off, went flying. One shot is gone. Yeah. And uh, another time, I shot at a deer, and I heard this big old thwack. I'm like, man, I had a good hit. You know, I hit something good and hard. Yeah, it was about an inch and a half diameter tree. I split it right down the middle. <laughs> <laughs> you sure hit it hard, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, because it, it, you know, it's like, okay, here's a good spot. It's like, and it was one branch, one little bitty tree, about an inch in diameter. It was going up right in front of it, and you couldn't couldn't really see it. You know, yeah. you're in a forest, you have a lot of, you're not looking for the little bitty ones. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what. Uh, one thing I really learned was public <laughs> hunting public with archery is a lot different than hunting private. Ground. Oh, private yeah. ground. <laughs> yeah, you know, private ground eliminates a lot of the competition or or running into another archer out there. And uh, uh, yeah, public can get a little crowded sometimes or, uh, you know, somebody comes in, don't really know what they're doing. And, you know, they can kind of blow the hunt for you. But also sometimes you can adjust and make it work out, too. I've right. seen that. Yeah, I, I had one time I was I was hunting further down. Um, down south and the deer were coming through too late at night and so i knew yeah. where it was at and we could, i could move up north so i moved up north and i says okay i want to be in my stand 
uh, by four o'clock. Yeah. So, because that would, because they're getting down to me about 5.30 at that time, you know, it's dark at 5.30, you know, I had to quit. Exactly. So if I get up there by four, then they're going to come through probably about 4.30 or, or, or five or so and, and be just fine. So I'm climbing up my tree and I get into my tree and somebody had been walking around further up because it was public property and kicked yeah. the deer up. So now it's trotting past me, not a dead road, but it's trotting past me. So I, I'm drawn back. And I shoot, I say, like, okay, do I follow it? I time it, it's like, so I shot, hit it a little bit too far back. It was like 410. I'd just been up in the tree. <laughs> yeah. Of course, then we had to, you know, back out and go because it wasn't a good hit and come back yeah. next night and get it. And, you know, there we're, we're hunting, we're hunting for a lump of snow. <laughs> you know, there's a deer covered snow because it's gonna snow, you know, quite a bit yeah. that night. And, and it did, enough to cover it all up. And we got to it and, you know, it was, it was dead. We, we kicked it up once, uh, yeah. you know, just tracking it the first time and we stopped and, and walked straight out. So we know where to come in. And if we'd have kept going, it would have been gone. It was about 30 feet later or 30 yards oh, later. Yeah. It was, it, it, it had laid back down because we didn't spook it off. And it's, there was a lot of people there. So they're not really afraid of people. You know, they yeah. just kind of move out of the way. You know, it's not yep. like they get paranoid and, and run for miles to the yeah, humor that they they'll just run a few hundred yards and either lay back down or hold tight. Yeah. And this didn't move very far and it lay down and you know it died. And it was, you know, here in Nebraska, you know, in Iowa, we have some pretty cold winters. And yeah. and it was cold. And we got to it and uh the legs were froze, but the rest of it was still warm. Perfect. But, you know, it, it was still warm and, and it it had snow on it, which helps insulate it, but it was down, you know, into freezing, you know, that yeah. night and, and all that next day. And, you know, they, it just took a while to die. And that's why you, when you make those bad hits, oh man, it, that, that, that's terrible. You know, you feel bad when you do one of those, but. Well, at least when you went to get it, it was still warm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's better than being, <laughs> that's the only it, that point, it, you know. it, if it was froze solid, that would have been a tough one to clean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding, no kidding. Yeah, um, uh, you know, a lot of guys I see ask about that, about bumping deer, you know, after they've hit one, and that can be a really tricky question based on the situation, um, from what I've seen, you know. Um, yeah, especially for a new bow hunter, you know. I mean, you they say, hey, do I wait a couple hours? Well, a lot of it also depends on where you hit it and so on but i'm not gonna lie i'm not gonna pretend to be a professional bow hunter i'm, I'm, I'm amateur at best um, but bow hunting uh, you know kind of took me a different route too that's what got me into trapping and that's what i've uh, really been obsessed with the last few years so you do a lot of trapping then huh i trap every year um, and i'm an animal damage control guy so i trap from fall to spring um, and then I trap spring to fall doing animal damage control work. And uh, I trap everything. I mean, anything here in Iowa, I trap it. So, if it's legal to trap, you trap it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And even in the summer, I'm trapping, you know, like uh, I, I mentioned to you, I do animal damage control and uh, I trap groundhogs. Today I went and checked a groundhog job, a beaver job. Uh, raccoon job and then uh, another groundhog job so 
Um, you know, that's just a glimpse of what I do. But I'm outdoors all the time. And, and I and I learned a lot about whitetail and their movement. Um, you know, I've seen, uh, I've seen several good-sized bucks this year in the velvet. And uh, I kind of watch how they move. We're in a severe drought here in uh, southern Iowa. And so they're, you know, a lot of guys when they bow hunt, they think about food, but I, I was talking to a, a good friend of mine who's a great bow hunter. I mean, he just really successful, make it look, he makes it look easy. And he said, uh, you know, everybody focuses, tends to focus on food um, when bow hunting. And he said, I focus on water, um, you know, whether it be a pond, whether it be a river. He said, when you're in a drought, it's really nice because you know that that deer's got to drink water. You know? Right. You got to have water even more so in the food than than food, especially in a severe drought. Uh, just just like us, you know, we can go longer without food than we can without water. Exactly. You know, about, about three days without water, and we're we're pretty much toast. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's we can easily go three days without food. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. not easily. Well, I mean. Our body will tolerate it, but <laughs> I'm a big guy. I don't know if three days is a good number for me. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, but yeah, we, I have trouble going a day without drinking a bunch of water. So yeah, that's three right. days would be three days would be you know I'd be having trouble after two days of no water. That's right. That's right. And I can't tell you how many times when I'm trapping. I'll come up uh, over a, you know, a riverbank or whatever, and there'll be a, a buck or a couple does down there drinking water, even bedded down right there on the side of the, on the side of the bank, especially in warmer weather, you know, um, makes you wonder, uh, you know, are we always doing it right? Always just setting up by, by food, you know? Yeah, that's, that, that's something I hadn't really thought too much about, you know, that's why I enjoy having guests on you know because we always, always <laughs> learn something you know every podcast i learn something and, and and you know i hope the people listening and watching um you know get get that as well the the podcast comes out twice a week um yeah on uh, you know places you're going to listen to your podcast spotify apple um you can also listen to it on audible um i'm actually on audible so uh you can get out there and listen to it it doesn't cost anything to listen to it on that uh, and then the YouTube channel, you could get to watch the, watch them and interact with us. And then, of course, like I mentioned earlier, Facebook group they actually get to send comments in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, um, when you reached out to me, I was pretty excited because, uh, you know, as a trapper, um, primarily, even though I bow hunted before, I see a lot of unique stuff out there when I'm trapping. And just this last winter, um, I was driving my trap line about 9, 10 in the morning. And a doe came hammering across the road, and right behind her was a bobcat. And they oh. ran down into a bottom, and that bobcat never let that doe come out of that bottom. And so that makes you wonder how many um, how many whitetail are getting killed by bobcats and and coyotes. You know, yeah, a mature buck can be killed by a couple of coyotes. All he had, all they have to do is just sit there and keep chasing that buck and nipping at his rear end until he bleeds out enough and wears down enough. And then they got him. And yeah. so a lot of guys work really hard to grow their deer, um, you know, to grow good whitetail with a nice rack, good tines and everything. And, and 
coyotes can take that away from you. And, uh, and so can bobcats. They'll, they'll yeah. kill their own deer. Um, one bobcat will. So just something to think about and uh, also some food for thought. They did a study years ago and they put a uh, trail cam on a bobcat den. And I think they shut it off after that bobcat had pulled in over 40 fawns to go feed her uh, feed her kids. So, I mean, if, if that puts it in perspective for those guys who grow deer, one bobcat killed over 40 fawns. And they, they pulled the trail cam. They said it wasn't funny anymore. You know, they, they, yeah. they, you know that's a lot of deer. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of deer, and I know around here we have we have coyotes. I can hear them at night lots of times. You know, there's a couple different directions I hear them, and you know, it's like okay, we need to get rid of some of those because they're going to take a lot of the deer out, and I'd rather have the deer than the coyotes. They, me too, me too, and and I'm a trapper, and I'd still rather have the deer than the coyotes. You know? Yeah. Um, because uh, and I know whitetail populations can get pretty high, but at the same I know coyotes, you know, are a necessary evil, but I'd rather have more deer than more coyotes any day. Um, yeah, then I just upped our, our quotas so that we can take more deer, you know, if it gets too many. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. And so, yeah, there's just a lot of, you know, when I'm out trapping too, another thing I see is I see a, guy, a lot of guys walking in bow hunt. And, uh, and I watch a lot of bucks navigate around them. Um, and so that's pretty interesting because I, there's one river bottom where I trap and I drive down it and it's a couple mile stretch and there's about six to eight bow hunters that set up on that one bottom every day. And I watch a couple monster bucks navigate around all of them and, and come out of that bottom right at the road and then just be standing next to the road, looking down in those bottoms at all those bow hunters, like, man, you, you gave yourself away or something, you know? It makes you wonder to... what that buck's seeing, you know. Is he seeing you? Is he smell is he smelling you? Um, are you going in the same route every time and he just you know picks up your scent and decides to go around that whole area completely? Uh, you know, it's interesting. Yeah, I I've heard stories of uh um stuff like that where they just walk around and, and avoid you. And uh, I know the area we're hunting that the uh, I was talking to the wife of the that owns the land, and she says she was down at one time and seen uh, probably my son up in the the platform he built, and it's like he was out there looking. The deer was basically underneath the platform, <laughs> had snuck in on him, and it was like turn. She's kind of thinking, turn around, turn around, turn around. It's behind you. <laughs> yeah, almost thinks you need you need a scouter, you know, watching you, give you a, a quick text or something, you know. Yeah, oh, the <laughs> fact that you know they classify that as Ill illegal, but uh, still. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, you know something interesting is when I see a lot of these bow hunters, uh, I'll try to give them advice, and some of them just totally disregard me because I'm a trapper, and uh, and then the other ones realize like I'm telling you this because I'm seeing this buck do this every day and i want you to get him i want you you put in all that work man i want you to succeed um and uh, you know some of those bucks 
they navigate out the same way every time. And I'll watch them cross right by, a, you know, the road right by a pond. And I'm like, guys, if we just set up on this little public up in this corner, I know there's nothing there but a pond and two trees, but I'm telling you, <laughs> he's, yeah. he'll come right to you. And, you know, I, I find that in, in coaching as well. Um, you know, I, I became a coach in 1995 and, and I've talked to lots of people and, and you, you, you go talk to them and within, you know, two, three minutes, you're like, okay, I'm not going to help them because their attitude is, no, you, I can't, I can't tell you nothing. You know, you, you can't exactly. tell me anything. You know, I, I know everything's like, okay, next, I, I spend my time with somebody that cares, you know, that wants to That's learn. Right. And, That's right. You, know, you give them a thumbs up and you just kind of just walk away like, well, good yeah. luck. Yeah. Well, it's there. They, well, they'll listen to you. Got the big buck. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. And, and I, you know, the thing is, when I see somebody working hard, I never want them to fail. Um, even right. if it's a big, even if it's a big buck in an area where I, I, I'm not going to lie to you. So you fail. I know a lot of right. guys will do that but that's not me. And so when I tell you advice, it's sincere. It's like you put in the work, here's what I'm seeing. Um, I hope it helps you. And then, you know, like you said, some people just say, no, I know it all. Okay. Well, yes. good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll watch that yeah. butt for another two years then. <laughs> yeah. Until, until you're ready to do it. And yeah. I don't, uh, my, my hunting part buddy that I, I used to hunt with, um, he said he he watched this buck or this buck or doe, I forget which one it was now, walking down this trail. He's got his old shooting lane. So it's behind a tree. All of a sudden the deer stops. He's yeah. waiting for it to come out in the opening. It stops and then it runs for about five feet and stops walking again. The only shooting lane that deer comes up, walks up, stops, runs, stops, walks. That is frustrating. That is frustrating. Right. And, and you've got, and you're drawn back and, and, you know, you're sitting there like, come on, just one second, just, <laughs> what, just make well, what, one step. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, yep. years ago we were hunting. I also have shotgun hunted here in Southern Iowa. That, that was a big thing, especially in the nineties with shotgun hunting for deer. And um, I was shotgun hunting with a, a group because that's how a lot of us did it, you know, in the 90s and 2000s till about 2000, I don't know, 18, it started to slow down a little bit. Um, but we were pushing this piece of grass that was about knee tall, maybe just a hint taller. And we had standers up on the hills and we were spread out and it was me, my dad and another uh it, uh, relative and we were all pretty experienced you know deer hunters and we were spread out good and we we're pushing this grass and we could hear something in the grass but we couldn't see anything and so we just kind of kept paying attention and well what happened was there was a buck in there and he was running on his knees like real low dog crawling really <laughs> fast and so uh john who runs the group was up on the hill watching him through a scope dog crawl around on us back and forth and then he crawled real fast out to the furthest point you couldn't even see his antlers he was keeping them so low 
And he crawled out to the furthest point and kicked across the field, right in the gap where we didn't have anybody. <laughs> Figures, huh? Yeah, I mean, and and John said that that buck was moving, but on his, you know, on his not his knees, his elbows or whatever. Yeah, you know, it would be his knees. And uh, he said, but it was like a, a soldier army crawling, but really fast is what it looked like. Um, and so I thought that was pretty interesting. And uh, we knew something was in there. We'd stand on our tippy toes trying to look ahead. We couldn't see him at all. Couldn't even see his rack. He'd keep his head low and everything. So that goes to show you some of the intelligence, you know, oh, on some yeah. of these bucks. Yeah. How, how did they learn to do that, you know? That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, it's pretty interesting. You know, and, and something I learned shotgun hunting that applied to me more when I was bow hunting is we, we'd have pushers and standers. Are you very familiar with uh, shotgun hunting with Roy? Um, yeah, we, we do rifle over here, but I was traditionally always been shotgun. And yeah. And you know, I think now they're starting to get in where you can use rifles over there, but that's right, that's right. And um, you know, it's changing the game quite a bit here in Iowa, but I do think it'll affect our big buck population. Um, I think it'll be more private ground hunting, and you know, eventually they'll it'll be high powered. You know, right now we're limited, you know, range high powered that can only shoot 300 yards or 200 yards. Um, but the, they'll just keep doing that, which will knock down our big buck population, which will be kind of sad. We'll be like Missouri. Right. We'll be like Missouri where they shoot an eight pointer and it's a, you know, it's a, a trophy. Well, here in Iowa, an eight pointer is not really even a, a trophy. Um, you know, I mean, it's right. a good ball. It's a good buck, you know, but it's, um, anyways, so learning to shotgun group on when I switched to a different, our group kind of converted to a different uh, group in a different area. And uh, John said, hey, you guys, when you're standing, you're standing out too far. You know, we'd stand out too far from the timber. And so he'd tell us to tuck in a, just a little more because um, those deer would run across or they'd be watching us and we wouldn't know it. And, right, uh, yeah. and they would see us because we were out just a little too far from the timber. And so that kind of applies to bow hunt too. If you're standing on the ground, you know, tuck in a little further into the timber. I know it gives you a little less shooting lanes, uh, but it does help as far as, you know, the deer not spotting you because they're looking for movement, and, you know, and so on. But that helped me anyways. <laughs> bow hunting. Yeah. If you're out where they can see you, they're going to, they're going to see you because they see pretty well. Yeah, yeah, and I know that's a common sense kind of thing, but uh, for a new bow hunter who's trying on the ground uh, without like a blind or, you know, a tree stand, it may seem like a common sense thing, but you may be that guy if you're new to bow hunting that's standing out too far um, for, you know, better shooting lanes, and it could cost you. Yeah, well, that's that learn, learn from your mistakes. That's right, that's right. <laughs> I sure make plenty of those, but uh, I luckily each year there's a few less that I make, you know. Well, yeah, and that, you know, about hunting food as opposed to hunting water, you know, most of it, you know, think of food plots, but, you know, not really thinking of water and, um, 
you know, I've got an area that, that I have to hunt and they don't hold deer because there's really no, there's, you know, alfalfa and then corn or beans or whatever, but there's just yeah. basically a fence, fence row around. So there's not a lot of trees. And with the trail cameras, it's, they're coming through mostly at night. But I did find when is that back in February of this year, there was one spot they were coming out during the day and, but there's no water. You yeah. Know, plenty of, plenty of food, but no water. Uh, the yeah. closest water is a little ways away. And, you know, that, so that's something to, you know, think about maybe. It really know, maybe, is. Instead of putting a feeder out there, put water out there. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I mean, it really makes you think. And another thing that I do with trapping that can relate to bow hunting is you use the terrain to your advantage when you're trapping. And right. uh, when you're bow hunting, you know, uh, like a perfect scenario for me in my eyes, and I've seen guys who focus more on food hunting for whitetail. Um, maybe this is something you should consider, you know, that I've noticed is there'll be a hill that slopes down and you'll have a pond. And there's just a little travel way in between that, you know, that hill and that pond. Well, sometimes there'll be a tree or something right there. That is a great spot. I mean, that's a great spot for coyotes and stuff too. But your whitetail, I mean, you know, that that's a narrow corridor right there. So that's, you know, that's something that maybe an outside perspective. I know some guys use this stuff in, in bow hunting and it's a common sense thing. Um, but, you know, sometimes an outside perspective like that of a trapper like myself might give you a different angle or version to think about, you know, like right. that. Where you use that terrain, that pinch point, like we do trapping coyotes for whitetail. Because I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I trap coyotes and the whitetail are traveling right there too. Same, same path. Yeah, the same path. Yeah, they run the same trails. Uh, deer and coyotes do, they really do. And uh, you know, a lot of times um, I had a drill sergeant in the army and he would tell me this, he would say, um, snipers in the military focus on people being lazy because we're lazy you know if we can right. travel on a trail that we always travel that's what we're gonna do well he said he said that and, uh he was trying to refer to what to watch for with the enemy and what they right. use against us but you can relate that to wildlife too coyotes and bobcats and white-tailed deer you know they'll though they will use those same trails over and over again. Um, I call them deer highways when I find a trail that's just been blazed by deer. Uh, yeah. You know, they can find a couple sheds on every year, every spring. Those are, those are good key points to kind of think about, I feel like. Find, find the path that they're walking and set up on their path. And yeah, you know, sometimes exactly. they're just roaming around so much, there's no real defined trail. Uh, like that's that's hunting, the one public property you know there's there's lots of trails but they're not anything beat down because well there's a lot of campers in there and people in there all the time so they just kind of wander around but they stay yeah. in the same general area uh you know you might say oh they're this is beat down pretty good this is a good trail and and you that's really don't cool. notice it because the one next to it is yeah not not really noticeable that it's a trail and sometimes you have to just look for uh, the leaves that are knocked down or, or cleared away or something and 
Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of times in like river bottoms or by lakes where I see a, a 20 deer trails, but they all come to one major deer trail. And I mean, that's just, you know, in my eyes, that's gold to set up on that. Uh, yeah. Find a spot with some water and in between two food plots, water, you know, I, exactly. you know that's something that I think we need to start looking at too is, you know, where's the water? Because they need food, but they also need water. And, you know, if there's right. snow on the ground, like, you know, Nebraska and Iowa, there's snow on the ground. They always have the option of, you know, eating the snow for their water. But, um, that, you know, that, that I agree. And that's where I feel like you need to, you know, at least for me, that's when I'm thinking actually more shelter is what I'm looking for at that point. Right. Where, where's the best place for them to be bedded down and sheltered in at, you know, out of the wind and the snow and the cold, you know. So that I kind of changed my mindset to that, but you know, in during the rut and, and uh, fall before the snow kicks in, I'm thinking water and I'm thinking travel. Uh, even when the rut kicks in, I mean, you if you're on a main deer trail, um, you know those bucks always won't follow it. You know if they smell a doe, but uh, right. That but those does will follow that main deer trail, and if they're following it, that buck sure is bound to come along. You know. Right, they're going to be following the does. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And uh, I don't know, just those different perspectives, and that's that's what I love to learn too, Roy. Because like, the way you hunt is different than the way I hunt, and there's nothing wrong with the way you hunt or the way I hunt. I can right. learn from you know, just as much as you know. We can <laughs> learn from each other. Yeah, and and that's that that's what you know. So good talking to different hunters is like everybody has their own experiences and you know if i can shortcut that experience if i don't have to learn how to do it wrong by somebody else that already did it then hey you know let's learn that and you know same thing. Right. if there's something i've learned because i've done it wrong then hey let's pass it on and makes all of us better hunters and it does you know, after all we want the meat in our freezer that's right that's right i i i'm you know, every year I eat a couple deer through the year. I got three boys. Those mouths don't feed themselves. No. You know? <laughs> and deer chili or, you know, I, I throw deer in every, almost everything. A pound of deer meat, a pound of ground beef is a good combination for our food. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. and it, it adds a good taste, too. I mean. Well, and that leans out the the, the beef. So, it's, you know, you get 85% lean. And, and if you take... 100% lean venison you know the deer is you don't want any fat in it yeah yep that's right yeah so you trim all fat off of deer meat and you take yeah. as much of the sinew off as you can because you know those that haven't you know there might be listening that don't really know too much about it the difference between a butcher ground and your own ground is night and day it is completely, completely because they don't trim all the fat off and deer fat smells bad and tastes bad when you cook with it that's right that's right so and that's where you want to throw your own fat in or throw in some beef with some beef fat in you know right right <laughs> yeah the, the, the deer is really lean because you there's no fat in it because you don't want all that out and you know, and, you know i process the deer myself just because that way that's I can how, cut it the way I want it cut. You know, that's how I take the back straps you know, out, cut them up how I want to do. If I want to do roasts, I can do them in the sizes that I want, the quantities I want. You know, if I want a package, four in a package, 
because that's what we'll eat in one meal. Because, you know, right now it's just my wife and I here. So I would yeah. package it up. You know, what would we eat in one time? You know, yeah. now you with three boys and you, know, you might have, you know, your, 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 your chops might be six or eight of them in there, you know, because that's one meal's worth. Uh, so yeah. you can package them up. And if you go to the butcher, you're going to get them however they feel like doing them. And, that's and you're right. not always sure you're getting your meat back. You know, they might say, yeah, what comes in and go throw this. Yeah, no, you, you, you don't know that it's your beer. Yeah, you don't know for sure. And, you know, my wife, she loves a good deer steak and bread and gravy. Like, that's that's one of her go-to meals to cook up. Deer steaks and gravy and, and crumble some bread in there. Ooh, but Yeah, there, there's, <laughs> I know when I first started getting deer, um, you know, one deer would last our family the whole year because we didn't know, you know, there was, there's, you know, three kids and, and, and wife and I, and we didn't really know how to fix them, the best way to fix them. So we didn't really eat much. And yeah. then it got down, I was like, you know, one deer don't last long. And I know one year I had a freezer with a moose in it and I had deer in there. It was completely full and I got another deer. Now what do I, I have no freezer space. I can't freeze it. Yeah. So I started making jerky out of the dehydrator. That deer Perfect. was gone within two weeks. Because <laughs> yeah. my kids say, is it ready yet? Ready yet? And I'd marinate it in, um, uh, it's a Claude's sauce made in, uh, I think, San Antonio, Texas. It, okay. it's, a, it's a brisket marinade, and it's really, really good. And <laughs> marinate that, and, and as soon as it was done, we'd pull it off the dehydrator, and it's one of those, you know, with the round trays on it with the fan in the bottom, so it did yeah. pretty quick. As soon as those are off, there, you know, by the time I get the next batch done, those are about gone, and... <laughs> So yeah, I think it was two, three weeks and that whole deer was gone. I made jerky out of everything. The whole and, deer went into jerky. <laughs> and you'll never have more friends than you have when you make when you make deer jerky. You know what yeah. I mean? Like friends come out of the word works. It's like winning the lottery, you know? Uh, 20 people are like, hey, I, I had your back back in 94. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, a lot of us say, you know, you go out deer hunting and, and it's like, oh, give me a steak yeah uh, um okay i'll call you when i get ready to to haul it out so you can help me haul it out and you call him like, oh i'm busy right. and, and it's like okay i'll call you and get ready to dress it no no I call him up no i'm busy yeah but I, where's my steak <laughs> yeah that's right they don't want to put in the work but they'll sure take that steak if, you know <laughs> yeah so no those that come help hey why not i know the the first time my brother and I uh, field dressed the deer, our cousin, which lives in Iowa by uh, Woodbine, he got okay. a deer and he said, I'll split the deer with you if you want to cut it up and package it for me. I was like, okay. So we yeah. had, didn't know what I was doing. So we, we we got you know some stuff on it, looked up some uh, how to do it, and we cut it and package it up. And you know, that was the first experience at, at doing a deer. And 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 now there's there's a lot of tricks that you learn and one thing we and learned by fun. accident. Yeah. And, and you get, you know, it's good meat. You know how it's cared for. Um, yeah. You know, you, you package it the way you want. If you want it, like I did some pepperoni sticks one time, but I didn't want to put them in the skins. So I just put them in the thing, made them round, froze them. And, and then, yeah. you, you know, had them all, all ready and, 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 you know, do hamburger and everything else. You can have them all ready and, and freeze them and separate them with, you know, plastic wrap or a, a 
you know, yeah. wax paper and, and and go from there. So there's all kinds of stuff you can do. Make You're making me you hungry, bud. <laughs> I know. I'm making myself hungry. It's like, uh, I got to go get something to eat here pretty soon. <laughs> I know. You're talking about all these good ways to make up deer meat. And I'll tell you what, it, it is a passion once you start handling the meat as well. Um, it goes just as much with the uh, with the actually going out and killing them. It's just as fun to get home and process that meat the way you want it and then cook it up. Uh, like you say, you learn tricks over the years and man, you kind of look forward to that meal at the end of the day that you brought home. Yeah. Well, and, and probably, you know, I've, I've had, I've went to restaurants, you know, that are high-end ones that when you go in, you know, they're black tablecloths and they have the guy that expedites the orders and, and the, the menus just have two digit numbers for a price, just no dollar sign, just two digit numbers. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's not like it's $12.99 for a steak. It yeah. doesn't say dollar twelve point nine nine. It might just say twenty. No dollars yeah. like nothing. And I went in and had a a really good uh, steak in there. The only thing that comes close to it, most steak restaurants, I don't have a hamburger because they can't cook them very good. And yeah. the best time I had meat that wasn't kind of like from one of those places um, was I pulled the tenders out, fired up the grill. I threw them on the grill and, you know, a, a tender for those that don't know gets oh, yeah. narrow at the ends. So it tapers down and yeah. I'm watching it. Okay. They took my knife or my fork in the end of it, knife cut off, ate it, cut off the other end, ate it as it's cooking in. I'm eating it as it's going. Oh man, that was so good. <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah. This, you know, the outside's going to turn a little bit, you know, get riper or riper. Yeah. I'm thinking gardening, but you know it's gonna it's gonna cook to that medium rare. And one thing with venison, do not cook it well done. No, no. Oh no, and, no. And see, Unless my you wife like liver. <laughs> my wife look likes it well done, and it's so hard because I do not. I I do not like my deer meat well done. And she grew up with them cooking it well done, and I don't know if that's just the way they did it for you know because they thought oh it's safer. I don't know. But I don't like my my deer meat can't be well done. That's just not an option. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, medium rare. Yeah, that's right. That's medium, right. Medium rare. I don't like a rare because then they're chewy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I agree. If they're rare, they're chewy. And like medium rare because I don't like them much more than that. And 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 you know when when you sometimes you cook them and it turns out perfect, and then other times like. Darn, I left it on 30 seconds too long. It's it's that, over. It's you know? a fine line. It's yeah. a fine line. Yeah, I, I went to a restaurant one time and come out and it's like, that's a little bit rare. And it's like, so we sent it back and it's like, yeah, 30 seconds back on the grill, come back perfect. You know, <laughs> I'd rather come in a little under. They can always send it back and say, hey, you need about 30 seconds longer on the grill. Throw it on yeah. and cook it a little bit more. Um, you know, they may just not let it rest long enough. Because you know, like yeah. you cook a steak, you, you cook them, you don't cut into them, the juices run out, you let them sit and, and yeah. you know for for a few minutes. And it, uh, it kind of I don't know, that's what restaurants do that know what they're doing. And yeah, sit yeah. there and absorb all the, the juices back into it. And that's right. Because if hungry. you cut I, it, it'll you cut it, it'll leak all the good stuff right out. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. 
Tyler, we, we got to quit talking about food here. <laughs> I know, I know. I skipped lunch today, man. I, I, I skipped lunch running those jobs out there. Now I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I didn't have much for lunch, and it's already, well, it's almost 5 o'clock here. You're the same time zone well, I am. <laughs> yeah, so it's time yeah, to eat again. And I, was, I was out, you know, I forgot the first podcast done. I, I'm working on a project for a... Um, I'm building a little door access door for a crawl space. And it's like okay. that department, I come in for this one and I go back out there and I'm going to have to get something to eat. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm talking about food here. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I wish I had some beer jerky right about now too. Beer yeah. jerky or beer steaks, one of the two. Yeah. No, it, we just have to, you know, if it wasn't close together, I'd come over and we'd have some steaks. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a good time. I'm I'm, I, I'm out of deer steaks. My son has some, but I'm out now, so I'm I'm back down to beef. <laughs> no, I'm I'm down to two packages of deer steaks. Two. I mean, it's tough times, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Time I, time uh, to get ready for deer season again. That's right. That's right. I need more meat for the freezer. Yeah, I um. You know, it's interesting. I watched a podcast the other day about, uh, you know, how they bow hunted, hunted deer back in the olden days a lot. And it was pretty interesting to me. Um, the podcast really pulled me in uh, because a lot of times they just go in and sit on a tree stump and bow hunt. Yeah. You know, or they take a bucket in and sit on a bucket. And they'd have a flannel shirt on. Um, so, you know, it's weird because a lot of guys are focused on uh, focusing a lot on scent control, which I do believe it's important, especially if right. the wind's not in your favor, you know. Um, but what I do a lot with with trapping, and I, I noticed it worked. <laughs> I've snuck up on some deer trapping unintentionally, where they couldn't smell me, as I leave the jacket in the truck. Um, you know, I'll I won't wash my jackets all the time or my sweaters or whatever I'm wearing. Um, you know, my t-shirts and stuff, that's a little different, but, um, I don't, I don't go full rogue, you know? Um, yeah. but, <laughs> but anyways, I just let that stuff kind of just sit with the smell of nature. My wife will tell me, she says, you stink. And I'm like, I said, like body odor. She said, no, like nature. And I said, well, that's what I want. I, I like, right. Smell. And, uh, and I snuck up on some deer that it, it just blows my mind. I've been loud as you could be, it seems like, but they can't smell me. And I'll, um, and it's, I think a lot of times it's because that jacket or that hoodie or whatever I'm wearing, it has not seen a washer in, you know, a month, month and a half of being out trapping and, and so on. And, uh, I, I just feel like that's kind of a good scent control that maybe some guys, um don't use you know everybody's into the sprays the the soaps and everything like that um and it makes you think maybe you know if you go old-fashioned route it, it might be worth trying i don't know it, it works pretty well for me um but then again i also try to have the wind in my favor too right um, but that don't always work either it's you know the wind shifts and you're in trouble real quick yeah, that's there's there's a lot of different options. It's just um, you, you know, each area is different. You know, if we go hunt, yeah. you know, go hunt the deer at, at the one one farm, um, it, they're going to hunt them different than the other one. 
you know, one's a mile yeah. from me, and the other one's two miles from me. So if I go to the one, there's a creek there. And yeah. the other one, there's no creek. And but most of it is a cornfield. So there's really not much in there. The only place you really got is when they go down to get a drink, you know, because yeah. we don't have access to hunt the other side of the creek. So we have to yeah. them go down in there and in there, but that's where the water is. Yeah. You know, so yeah, as right. long as it doesn't freeze up, but it's a creek and I, you know, sometimes it'll freeze up, but um yeah. normally not, not the winters we've been having around here. It doesn't freeze up. So there's we've always had, water. We've had some weird winters here too. Yeah. It's just been um not as cold as usual till way later, you know, almost right. spring. Uh, yeah it's 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 been pretty weird you know and another thing when you're deer hunting i i notice just like with trapping the weather is so important um you know yeah i've hunted in snowstorms and um you know shotgun hunted and had really good luck because sometimes the, the deer couldn't they couldn't wind you and they uh you know so they couldn't smell you and they couldn't hear you as much because the storm was going on right and you get right up on them i mean i've walked right up on deer that just had no idea i was there and it's not because i'm black ops or anything like that it's because <laughs> the storm and i got you know it's i'm using it in my favor yeah i know when it's really windy out i never see deer walking I've never seen a yeah. deer walk when it's windy. They're either yeah, running they're or you don't see them. That's and right. They're somewhere hiding out of the wind because they can't hear, they can't see. They're going to be probably facing the same direction the wind's going. So if you're, so they can see, you know, that's yeah. kind of what I'm figuring. They can see where they can't hear. They can hear behind them. But with all that noise, if you come up alongside of them, they're not going to hear you yeah. uh, or smell you. And last times too, you know, if the wind's blowing so hard, they're not going to smell you anyway because it just blows right over them. You know, it, it always blew my mind shotgun hunting. Uh, we would uh, be out in a random field. There'd just be a fence with a clump of grass or a tree or two. And it always seemed like those monster bucks would be out there because they could see you coming from forever away. They could right. smell you. Um, and, you know, like when I'm going shed hunting in the spring, I focus on a lot in on ponds and creeks because a lot of times, too, if a deer gets wounded, it goes to water like a pond or yeah. a creek. Just same thing as if they're sick. A lot of times they'll go to water, you know, they'll get a fever and be burning up. And so um, you just, you know, I think just water's completely underplayed sometimes in not just bow hunting but for animal wildlife in general you know yeah it, it, give me some ideas on on what to do for the next season and, and <laughs> look at some some of those stuff because you know we, we seem to always focus on you know putting you know you know feeders out to feed them and it's like well maybe certain times of year we need to get water yeah yeah and you know a lot of those uh feeders and and those deer they they'll wise up to that over the years too and you know like your mature bucks sometimes they'll just go go smoke come bow season um i know some right. guys who just spend all the time and work and they get it set up and it's everything's coming together and bow season comes around and that buck disappears or he starts bedding somewhere different and uh right. 
you know, some of these animals that make it 10 years out in the wild, they're, they're pretty knowledgeable and they kind of observe what we're doing too. Yeah, I've heard that, you know, many times where, you know, we might be uh, patterning them, but they're also patterning us. That's right. That's right. I mean, yeah. And uh, it, it's just a lot to think about. It's kind of interesting. That's what should soak you into bow hunting, um, you know, is all the different angles to think of it. Um, some of the best bow hunters I know, they, they've made a lot of mistakes and they've learned a lot and they're obsessed with it because they even though they seem to get it right to me all the time to them they're like oh come on i can be better than this you know I, yeah I a rookie mistake the other day <laughs> yeah we all do that <laughs> yeah yeah it, ain't nobody perfect out there um and it, somebody who tells you is usually the one that makes the most mistakes <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, just just like the one that says yeah I, I i i don't need i don't need any instruction from you i i, I know what i'm doing i can i can shoot good that's and, right and and you watch them shoot and they're lucky to get six inch group at 20 yards they're like yeah okay um yeah that's <laughs> That means you're going to hunt at about 10 yards max. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's another thing. Target practice, target practice, target practice. I mean, you can get out there. You need to know your bow just as much as you know your box that you're going right. out. Um, that bow, I mean, that, that's, that's an extension of you. That, I mean, that bow should feel as natural and be as much on your mind as that buck is because the time it's not, that's where you're gonna mess up. I, I do right. know that to be true. <laughs> well, and you know, nice thing about the recurve. I've talked to a lot of people that shoot traditional archery, and yeah. the advantage of that is it's it's simple. Yeah, you know? yeah. Now it's not really simple to get them set up correctly. There's what people think: just grab an arrow and grab a bow and shoot it. Well, there's a lot more to it than that. But it's basically. Yeah. You know, something you're drawing with your fingers and you go through your process in there. But with the compound, you know, we have timing of your limbs. You know, you can change your upper and lower limb to act a little differently. Then you have you have your loop to put on there. And how do you put the loop on? You know, one way you get better arrow flight, one way you don't. Uh, then you have your release. Do you have a, a wrist strap? And then how is it put on? Is it put onto the hand, which is incorrect, or is it put back onto the wrist? So that your hand yeah. can still move and, you know, your hand built where it straps on, your hand needs to move in front of it. I see people put them on their hand. And yeah. it's like, okay, I can show you why you don't want to do that. You know, it's real, just real <laughs> simple. Take your hand and grab onto your hand and pull. Where do you feel the pressure? You feel it in the wrist, you feel it in the elbow, and you feel it in the shoulder. Now grab your wrist, now pull. Where do you feel it? You don't feel it in the wrist, you don't feel it in the elbow, it's more in, it's more in the back. So, because that's it, where it's meant to be, yeah. Right, that's where it's meant to be, not on the hand, because it kind of tries to separate the hand, you know. Yeah. And then you get you get the handheld ones, and I'll take try to use your thumb to pull the trigger. Well, yeah. that's not that's not any better than pulling the trigger with your finger, which is yeah. incorrect anyway. You, you do that with a yeah. firearm, not a bow. And, and there's just so many more things. But you know, I I shoot my compound way more than I do the recurve. Uh, yeah. My recurve set up for bow fishing because I I just can't 
shoot quickly with a compound bow. They're just, my mindset changes. Yeah, you know? it will, and that's the thing. Each <laughs> of them, there's a pro and con to each of those. Right. And you're right. Some of those guys are really fast with com, uh, compound bows, bow fishing. I, I, I wouldn't be, I don't think, you know, I've never went bow fishing, but I always wanted to, but I don't think I'd be very quick with a compound bow, um, bow fishing. I think the re, you know, the recurve would be just a, a better feel and a quicker motion. And that's kind of the way you feel about it. Right. Um, you know, with the compound, normally they're heavier weight. Yeah. Normally you do have let off, but you're not really going through there. You're drawn through the weight and you get back and then you fire. You don't yeah. have good habits because you're not following through. You're not looking at your target. You're trying to find your pins. You know, a bow hunting bow should be hunt for deer and animals like that, never for fish because yeah. it does not work. And, and besides, if you have a 70 pound bow or even 60 pound bow, those fishing arrows are not designed to be shot out of a high speed bow. Yeah. Because they can shatter. And those with the heavier ones are cladded inside of aluminum arrow you have aluminum arrow with the, the fishing arrow inside of it you know those yeah. are designed to do that and now you're getting these special arrows when you know you're much better off to get a re a recurve bow um, or one of the bow fishing bows or several of them out there um if anybody interested you know check out the podcast uh the last the last one i did um because we talked to a guy that actually has a bow fishing charter um so he does all that and we went into quite a bit of detail on, on that i won't go into it again you just listen to the last podcast yeah and, that uh, take care of that but we we got we talked in quite a bit about you know the bow fishing and you know you're not aiming where you think you are yeah. because if you aim to hit the fish you miss it you have to aim to miss basically is what you know Don was talking about that's because right it's end of the water and if you look at a pencil going to the water, it actually shifts over. You know, so if yeah. you're looking at the glass, it's in there. So you got in the water and then outside the water, it shifts over to the right. Yeah. And if you're looking at it, you know, it's pointing to the right, it shifts to the right. So that means that where you see it is not where it's at. Yeah. So you have that to shoot sense. differently, not, not where it's at because you're going to miss it. That makes sense. That does make sense. And I see, and I see a lot of guys make that mistake. And like I said, I haven't done it myself, but I, I could see that being uh, a, a good learning process. Trying, you know, learn through error on that one. If right. you don't fall, and that's why you should listen to podcasts like these. <laughs> so you can learn that. Take that time out of making those mistakes and costing yourself, you know, headaches. Um, you know. And plus, they're fun to listen to. I, I can listen yeah. to podcasts all day. <laughs> well, fortunately, there's lots of hours of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you I, can uh, you can listen to mine. This is podcast number one hundred five, and um, you know the interviews run an hour to two and a half hours, so we can get a lot of travel time in <laughs> listening to podcasts. And, and they're, they're right. I learned something from everyone. I learned something, and whether I'm talking to. Uh, a, a young archer that's just starting out or uh, an archer's been doing it for decades to um you know semi-professional archers professional archers olympic archers uh you know i've talked to them all and even in foreign countries it's it's interesting how you know you go to a foreign country you know like over in serbia or south africa or something like that 
you know, it's yeah. archery is still archery. And, yeah. you know, one of the podcasts I did uh, probably a year ago now, I think uh, I did, I did a, a history of archery. So I started doing a bunch of research on archery, you know, to find out some information because I was like, hey, I, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. And I discovered yeah. that they have found evidence of archery that's 64,000 years old. I, I'd, I'd believe it. They, they say that a lot of those uh, simple minded um, hunter gatherers, they call them simple minded back in the day. Right. Um, that's what the historians refer to them as. But they find out that they're actually more advanced than they believed. And that would make right. sense that all three was involved in that process. Yeah, you know, they think the simple minded because they think their mind is so advanced over the other ones. It's like, well, <laughs> That's right. so we don't do calculus, but you know what? Every time you throw a ball, you're doing calculus. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because just think, you have to calculate the speed you're throwing the ball, the angle you're throwing it at, and where which direction to throw it so you hit your target. That's right. That's right. They They don't factor that in. They call that simple-minded, like, you know, and and it, and it wasn't. And, and a matter of fact, I feel like a lot of those uh, uh, historic hunters that, you know, we developed all these years and came to where we're at now, they taught us a lot. And I feel like their roots are maybe even, you know, since they lived outdoors all the time, right. I could only imagine how much more they knew than we actually know to this day even with all the technology and the time, you know what I mean, that we put into it, we still work, a lot of us work jobs. And so actually just been way more advanced and better outdoorsmen all the way around, probably were. Right. Well, and then you, then you see too, you know, there's, there's a couple of books out that talk about, um, you know, plants, wild, wild plants that can yeah. basically save your life from, you know, um, you know, if you're getting, you know, you get stuck in nettles, there's another plant that you can use that, that will counteract it. And there's all this stuff here, all these medicines that you can come up with just from the plants that now yeah. they're trying to um, synthesize, you know, to replicate what's in that in nature. But yet then they come in and say, well, no, that, that, that doesn't work. Well, yeah. you based your stuff on this plant. Mm -hmm. now you're trying to replicate what this plant does naturally and yeah yeah <laughs> you know, and they and they knew that back in in right. history you know and and we're still trying to figure it out to this day so a lot of times are we smarter i don't know that we are you know I, yeah we you know. get get to go to the store and buy what we need and and you know and you, and you look at your yard yeah what in your yard is not edible the grass, because the dandelions are edible. That, yeah. they, they, you know, some people make wine out of dandelions. Yeah. The leaves are edible. The roots are edible. The flowers are edible. Um, yeah. You know, then you have, um, there's, there's like three different other plants that grow wild that just, just grow that people just dig up because they're, they don't want them and they're all yeah. edible. Um, there's a little plant um, called sheep sour that when you eat it, it tastes like lemon. Yeah, and, and I was like, I've tried to take a spot and get it to grow there, but it's like wherever it grows, it just randomly grows, and I can't get it because I'd like to have you know a plot that has just those in there. 
But yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's unique. We're talking about that and what's edible, and it, it makes me think a lot of like deer diets. You know, like uh, when you're whitetail archery hunting, um, a lot of times guys grow you know certain uh, certain food plots based on um, what they read and what they see. Um, sometimes though, you know, like in my neighborhood, there's a big buck and he's there every year for the apple tree. He loves that apple tree and he'll oh, yeah. come right into town to eat from that apple tree. So, I mean, we're talking about everything that's edible in our yard and you start to think about diets of animals and, uh, in, any animal really. I mean, I know they, um, for instance, I did a video on my YouTube channel a while back, and it was about cats, bobcats, and canines, or any cats and canines, and they're attracted to random um, flowers or different things in nature, like uh, herbs that grow naturally and so forth. Um, and a lot of times they're using that now with whitetail hunting, and there's attractants that you can use that are found right there in nature so it makes you wonder when you grow these food plots everybody just goes with what's you know put out there industry wide but right. i think i i almost think the guy who thinks outside the box is the one who's going to win that and he's going to be the guy who either puts you know a couple apple trees out in the middle of nowhere or a uh, or a guy who puts uh starts really getting into the idea of a deer and like of a whitetail or, or whatever they're hunting and thinks, wow, this is kind of a unique thing, you know, like, um, like catnip, catnip and bobcats. Okay. Let's use that. Catnip is very attractive to bobcats. Okay. And it grows naturally in nature and they get obsessed with it. Okay. But your so house cats do the same thing. Yes, they are. Yeah. House cats are the same thing. Um, you know, my dad is, he's hunted everything and he's archery hunted for years. Matter of fact, he's a much better archery hunter than I am. Much better. I'm an amateur. I'm bottom line. <laughs> he's, 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 he's moderate. And, but as far as an outdoorsman, he's very well-rounded. And, uh, my dad would tell you that, uh, we need to we need to back off and really think of the whole perspective of the animal. Whatever you're hunting, whatever you're trapping, but with bobcats and catnip, there's got to be things like that that trigger whitetails more than just planting a clover or you know I mean deer love clover right I mean we know that right um, but is there something more attractive to bucks than does? Um, is there a plant that we're not thinking of? Is there a, all these guys are putting these, this energy into food plots. What if you put an apple tree out there? You know, why not? Why not put an apple tree up in the, up in the timber on a hill and have them bucks come up to that? You know, I don't know. Just some food for thought um, from an outside perspective of a, of a dumb trapper. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then too, if you have an apple tree, you always got a snack to eat. You know, just yeah, go that's pick right. That's cause, right. Because it's ready about the same time as deer season starts. That's you right. Go, you go out there and, you know, eat your apple and you're going to release that scent and then throw the core down and, and you know, <laughs> deer might come by and eat your core while, while you're shooting it. 
<laughs> yeah, that's right. And, you know, that gets me to thinking. Guys talk about snacks a lot. And I see memes posting, you know, where guys forgot their snacks in the truck. And, and we've all been there. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've all been there. We're sitting up, you know, we're sitting out there and we're like, can't believe I left that in the truck. I'm, I'm really hungry right now. I was going to be out here for eight hours. Now, now maybe six, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, but also, uh, I guys got to talking about on a Facebook page, urinating out of the tree, uh, when they're, you know, when, when you're waiting, you're there a long time. Some guys even collect their own urine in a bottle and just carry it in and out with them. Um, but then there's a whole discussion about can deer tell it's human urine and does it spook them? Uh, what's your thoughts on that, Roy? I mean, do you have any? Well, it depends on what you've been eating. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Trains a bunch of a bunch of asparagus, and then smell <laughs> you pee when you go pee. Okay, it has a different smell. Um, yeah. That they've had um, when I had my store. Uh, this guy come in and had these little bags that you you pee in. Basically, it's the same stuff they put in diapers. You just yeah. pee in it. Um, but I always figured, okay, if I got to pee that bad, I'm going to get down under my tree stand. I'm going to go walk a bunch of ways away and go pee and come back. How much did I disturb the deer by walking around as opposed to just peeing off the side of it? Now, don't pee off the front where you're going to have to walk down in it and, you know, put your hands in the steps. But yeah, I, I I've done this like I gotta go. I can't hold it. I just you got your safety belt on. It's safer. It's quicker. Just just pee and as long as you don't have six inches of clothing on. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. That might be tough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is a guy we could do that. Now, ladies, they might have to get down. Yep, yeah, um, they may have to get down, yeah. or they may have to have a one of those stands where they just you know have a, a, a basically a. A toilet right there you know where they yeah. Just, <laughs> um yeah it, it makes you wonder i mean is that your kind of thought on it then just go on the side of the tree uh you know i and... I, I do you know fortunately you know i i don't do it too often but you know yeah. i have done it and it's like you know i'm not getting down because now that i gotta climb down i gotta lower my bow down yeah and now then a deer comes by i'll get my bows already down yeah that's now what right. do I do? I can't pull it up. And then now it's down. I'm climbing down. The deer comes by. Now I'm halfway down. I can't do that. Get down there. And now at any time that's inappropriate, the deer is going to come by. That's right. Now, that's it's right. Hard, it's hard enough to while you're you're going, a deer not walk in on you while you're going. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because that know? time, that one time where you think I'm okay, that you're right. That deer's going to wander right in. You know, and usually kind of hot, you know, like, uh, yeah, like moving, moving along right towards you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's, you know, I think, you know, the, the chances of missing something while you're down is greater than just what scent you might leave uh, from peeing off the side. You know, basically, pee, you know, ammonia. So no matter what is going to be peeing in the forest, it's going to be you know, same basic structure. That's right. You know, that there's going to be some things different in them, which we can't smell. Um, but, you know, deer and dogs and stuff, they can smell those things that we can't smell. But Yeah. But also, it, you, you get to thinking then, too, how familiar are they with people? 
too. You know, that right. that, buck, that buck may have been smelling people peeing out in the woods because it may be a, a public ground or, you know, maybe the farmers are peeing, you know, farmers got to pee, he's got to pee, you know. Yeah, it's like, you know, the old farmer blow, your nose, your nose is running, just plug one side and snot it out, snot the other side out and go. That's right. <laughs> That's right. It may you know. not even flag a deer. You know, he may just be like, oh, yeah, that's a human, but I've smelt that over here, there, and there. Like, you know, yeah. that's not even a thing to, you know. And if they've never smelt it, they're either going to, one of three things, you know, that, that's always going to happen. Either they're going to ignore it, yeah, run away from it, or come to it. They might be yeah. curious. They never smelled it. They might be curious what it is. Yeah, it may be an attractant, actually. Right. So I, is there salt in urine? I believe there's salt in urine too, isn't there? Uh, I believe there, there probably is because your body's going to get rid of all the chemicals and depends on how much salt you eat. I would imagine there's fairly high level of sodium in there. Yeah. I and I, may, may, maybe maybe we can get uh, uh, a doctor on to tell us no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do we need to be using our urine as deer attractant? <laughs> <laughs> You know, um, it, it, do they want to lick it at like a salt block? Uh, you know, um, because all honesty, Roy, here's a good perspective. As a trapper, they will a deer will snap off our traps because, and there was a big debate in the trap amongst trappers on a Facebook page. Is it the salt and the coyote urine and stuff that we use? Um, because they there's even a video out there recently of a whitetail eating a snake deer just because deer are, are vegetarians by trade do they get to craving sugar salt protein you you know what i mean like there's a whole conversation right. to be had about that um because they do snap off our traps and all that's there a lot of times is meat or salt and are they going for the salt? And why are they, a coyote could kill them. Why are they going to a coyote pee station sometimes, you know? Yeah. And they will. They will. It's weird. It makes you really get to get the cylinders in your head, get to firing. And you wonder, do I know as much as I think I know, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Surprises every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's a trapper's perspective on on it you know a whitetail will literally snap off our trap um if you're wondering no uh, if we don't catch them <laughs> they got hooks you know it yeah they pull right out but uh they do step on our traps and are attracted to our um meat nasty raunchy meat that we throw down a hole and sometimes there's not even urine on the set. So that makes you wonder, like, are they going there for the meat and the salt that's in the meat to preserve it? Or, you know, why are they there? Um, you know, yeah, or do they just, is it a curiosity thing, you know? Yeah, that, that's, I, I've never heard that before. So that that's kind of interesting that, you know, they'll go to things like that and, you know, you think the deer go to the the normal things that everybody talks about. You know, the corn, the soybeans, the alfalfa. You know, the the other, you know, the beets and stuff like that. Everybody wants to grow, and and you know, now I'm kind of thinking, you know, maybe not putting out a food plot is the actual thing to do. <laughs> something different, you know, something yeah. that 
something that's a little bit different in, in, in their diet that what are they looking for? And I know that's they're cool. really, really go to the salt stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. I used you to know. take stock salt and put that uh, deer cocaine in it. I actually call it deer cane now because they want to call it cocaine because I, I guess they're paranoid. <laughs> People might think it's cocaine and smoke it or something or whatever you yeah. do with it. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> um, I actually use the the black magic. I like that a little bit better because I actually smell that. And it's like, ooh, that smells good. I want to eat that. But I'll mix yeah. that with like stock salt because the stock salt's really cheap. And now you put that out and they'll dig big old holes to get that salt that's leached out. Yeah. And, yeah. And and by the way, Roy, if you and I say anything that triggers a uh, lure maker who makes deer lure, uh, we want to kick back on this kind of thing. Right. <laughs> you right. Know, well, like, yeah, you're yeah. welcome. And and we yeah. want to kick back. <laughs> yeah. No, you never know who's who's listening, you know, because there's there's people listening all over. And hey, you know, we got an idea. Let, let's go with it. Let's figure out how to do something with it. And that's right. And here's another thought, Roy. Um, uh, this is used in coyote calls um, for lures, Tonquin which is a deer musk. Um, so we use that to attract coyotes, but it also attracts deer early season. Um, you know, so I don't know, you get into musk and, and foods and all kinds of different things and plants and really makes you wonder if, if you're that guy who's a bow hunter, whatever the animal you're going for, you, you need, I really feel like being the guy who thinks outside the box can make you a much better bow hunter um, yeah. for whatever you're hunting, whether it be bear. I know a lot of guys who uh, bear hunt with bows. And uh, by the way, you've got more gallstones than I do. It scares <laughs> me to watch what you do. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, but, but you guys, you know, what are you guys using for bait? You know, <laughs> like, yeah, uh, to get bear to come because I see black bear, they use bait stations, they use a lot of raccoon baits and like fruits and yeah. stuff. Um, what are you using for your brown bear stations? Uh, you know, for, for bow hunting brown bear, you know, that, that makes you wonder, are they using bait stations for them? Um, I don't know. Yeah. It Food for thought, right? Yeah, food for thought. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 this this whole podcast has been about eating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether we're Thank eating or, bottom or, line, or me and Roy are hungry. We're starving, yeah. and you can send us food to our uh, own addresses. You know, that's what we're getting at. Yeah, yeah, we're hungry. Send us some food. <laughs> we'll we'll fix it up and make a video on it and how we fixed it and and how it tastes. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We'll we'll go in depth with it and uh, but we won't be hungry anymore. And uh, the more food you send, the better because uh, we're both clearly pretty hungry at this point. The direction some of these podcasts go, you never know. That's why it's so fun. <laughs> yeah, that I well, when you asked me to, uh, you know, when you reached out and asked me to do this podcast, I was like, well, I don't archery hunt as much as I used to. Um, I was never that great at it, but I'm like, you know what? This might be interesting, especially when you said sometimes it heads in a weird direction or a unique direction. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it, I, the, only, the only requirement is we start talking about archery. 
Yeah, yeah, that's a and Notice that's I said start. <laughs> that's fair, and we've linked a lot of stuff to archery. So I've right. been pretty, I've been pretty. Uh, now I got, you know, I'm thinking in my head, I need to go get my bow and uh, <laughs> and start making some kind of lure for deer. You know, like what do I got to do? Um, yeah, do, do some testing, and I know there's there's people out here that have talked to that raised deer, and yeah, you know as you know that's that's what they do and and you know something like that would be um it's like okay now they're captive deer they're raised they're you know not wild deer but yeah you could put out two different things and see which one they go to you know yeah. which one gets eaten up first and then that, you can you can do your your test okay this here formula they ate this before this one and then put that formula in another one or, or two different ones or something and just say, okay, what are they eating mostly? And then you can kind of say, okay, here's what they want. But yet then it's yeah. got to be what time of year? Is it spring, summer, fall, winter? What time of the year? Because, yeah. you know, like you and I, we crave different things different times of the year. Yeah, you know, that's when, right. That's when a watermelon's right. ready, I, I eat lots of watermelon. I plant watermelon, yeah. <laughs> you know, and all year round I'm eating sweet potatoes because I grow a lot of sweet potatoes and, you know, well, so... Each, each season is a little different. What's ripe is, is what, you know, we're trying to eat. And, and you know, you kind of triggered two thoughts for me. Um, so with coyotes and bobcats, my dad always told me to watch your cats and dogs. And you can learn from your, your typical house cat or, or canine. You can learn a lot of uh, habits and traits of uh, coyotes and bobcats. Well, if you raise deer, I bet you could sure pick up on some uh, things that us guys who haven't don't know about deer. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like that gives you an inside view that some of us don't see to deer and some of their habits. And, and another thing you triggered, Roy, in my thought process is um, what, you know, it, your average coyote stops and pees every 160 yards in, in nature. They're, it's like they're enslaved to the idea that they it's a territorial instinct. They have to do it. Um, it's and, and they do the same thing when they poop. They mark. It's a way of marking, and it's right. a territorial instinct. Now, I don't know. Do they sell whitetail urine? You know, they sell dopey. I know, um, right? I mean. I've never used it, but I, I believe they do sell dopey. Um, right. And, and they do have whitetail uh, that's specifically whitetail. Yeah. 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 And, but it makes but you wonder. But um, it depends on, on who makes it. Some of them are, you know, like pure collected, you know, from it's collected from one deer and other ones are just kind of mix. And sometimes they're, they're not even all just pure deer, you know, so you get to right. look at, at that. So, you know, those that are putting attractants out that who knows what kind of urine might be in it. That's right. And, you know, in the trapping industry, they sell coyote urine, bobcat urine, and so on and so forth. But there's a whole conversation we've had that's similar to uh, deer urine is some guys collect from the same canine. And also, what are they feeding that canine? What are they feeding that coyote right. that collect in his urine? Um, and maybe the same thing with whitetail, too. Maybe you're buying a urine for whatever you're bow hunting and maybe it's a, a cheap knockoff brand or it's been um, 
diluted down to where it's not as great, maybe you need to be looking at a more direct urine um, with a healthy white tail on a normal diet. And maybe that's going to attract that buck that you're wanting more than just your generic or, you know, maybe your quality of your urine you're buying, maybe that's a whole conversation rather than do they sell their urine, which I actually knew the answer to. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, it's, sorry, it's been a long day, guys. <laughs> yeah. the, the other option is when you shoot that dough. Yeah. Collect the urine from that dough. Yeah. that In the trapping industry, guys, we're talking about that. You can freeze urine, uh, maybe freeze the urine from the dough. What do you think, Roy? Yeah. Uh, I've actually done that. Uh, once or twice actually collected the the urine from it but you got to have the stuff ready and be prepared for it you know with the syringe just to suck it out and, and yeah. then you can't keep it in the refrigerator you, you're going to keep it in very long you know because it don't take long for it to go bad there's no preservatives yeah. so you got to keep it froze and then bring it out and, and use it and um i almost think you know the better way would be, would be to take take that and soak it in like cotton balls yeah yeah that's then, a good and idea and then put Put a couple of cotton balls in in I don't know how many more, but the old 35 millimeter canisters, you know, you'd pop one of those open and, and set it down. And then you get yeah. done, you put the lid back on it. Um that's a good I don't idea. Know if anything like that. And now then it's you get back, you put it in a freezer, you know, and, and after two or three times out, you know, in the wintertime it's not going to get really bad. But after a while, then you just you just dump them on the ground and leave them. Yeah. You know, and fill them up the next time. And now you, what's, what's better than the urine from the deer that you just shot from that area? Yeah, that's a good idea, Roy. I really, that, that's a neat idea. You know, freeze cotton balls with the urine, like you said. Um, and, you know, in the trapping industry, they sell these like eggs. And what they do is they put, we put lure in it and you hang it from a tree. I wonder if anybody's done that with, uh, you know, for luring deer. It, if there's an attractant to deer, whether it be urine or something else, maybe you can hang, um, we call them like scent eggs or something in the trapping industry. I don't use right. them, haven't yet, but I'm going to. But, uh, you know, maybe there's something like that. You hang up for a deer and it draws it in. Because, I mean, deers are, I'm saying deers, it's deer, are curious animals by nature too, um, right. wouldn't you say? Yeah, and, and they have little pads. I've seen their little white pads that you can you soak with the urine and you can hang them up. Um, I've actually taken a piece of the hide and okay. dried it and used that to hang up. Did it work? And, and, it and, and you know, I don't know how well it works if you don't put a trail camera. That was before trail cameras. Yeah. Um, but, sure. but when you go out there and then you see that it looks like they've, they've messed around with it, then, you know, hey, it works. It's a way to get your scent out there. And, yeah. you know, unless you're saving the hide for something, and you always got pieces, even if you're saving your hide to have make something out of, there's always corners that aren't going to do you any good. You cut them off and, you know, you can use that to, you know, poke a hole in it and put a string on it and hang it up and put your scent on there. And, um, yeah, you know, um, this conversation we're having, it's very interactive. It's helping me a lot to um, understand some of the things you've seen, Roy, and some of the things I haven't, and some of the things that I've seen. Um, and uh, another thing I want to warn guys who are out there um, running like uh, bait, baiting deer, you know, legally, you know, the way you're supposed to, 
um, bobcats and coyotes have been known to watch bait sites and to kill these deer while they're you know while they're focused on eating so if if somebody's spending all that time and energy and money i don't want you to fail um if you got trail cams you need to watch those and make sure those coyotes and, and bobcats aren't moving in and just killing your your deer um because yeah. i know i was trapping for a guy he owns a property on a river bottom i'm not going to say his name but he uh he he raised he has bait stations for whitetail in the off season, like a lot of guys do. And there was blood all over the place. Well, what happened was coyotes came in and killed his deer that he had been trying, that he'd been growing and watching for years. Um, that's something you guys need to think about as well as letting your local trapper in there when he's not, when it's not close to hunting season. And, right. you know, you don't want your deer to get kicked out near hunting season, but at the, at the same time, like there's guys like me who do animal damage control. A lot of those deer that I go in and, and I'm trapping coyotes and bobcats um, when it's not deer season, they get used to me. That's another thing the way that I kind of want to talk about is like they get used to me driving in there or walking in there every day. They don't even run anymore, <laughs> you know, and I'll just kill coyotes and bobcats and it'll help you. So if you need somebody to help you maintain that and your local trapper is a decent trapper and he's got some common sense, maybe that's something uh, you may want to consider as well as raccoons getting your bait stations. Cause uh, right. I just watched two sow raccoons with litters today, chase off a bunch of heifers, at cattle, heifers, like chase them off of their own food that the farmer had just, that the rancher had just put out for them. <laughs> like, can you imagine that? It was the craziest thing. I tried to stop the truck to video it. Two sour raccoons with their kits chasing off full grown heifers from their own food that was put out there for the heifers. <laughs> it, was, it was quite interesting. Yeah. yeah, I might have to start doing some uh, critter control where the one property we haunt because on the cameras, I'm getting coyotes and raccoons, yeah, all all the time. I'm getting more raccoons and coyotes than I am deer, and and I think it's time to start getting rid of some of them. Find, yeah, find, find and, a trapper that wants them because um, you know I I get the permit I get. I have a fur bearer's permit on mine, you know, because I'm yeah. I'm a veteran, and we get we get the all inclusive one. Same as retired here in Nebraska, where it's the hunt, the fish. Uh, the trapping, uh, you know, the, the fur bearing permit and, um, you know, all your stamps you need. Now, it's the guy get the archery tag, you know, the deer tag and, uh, you know, stuff like that, but it, it's all in there. So I can go out and I can, I can travel because I got the fur bearers permit. So I can go out and do that. And, and, and you, I just need to find somebody that can do something with, with the rest of this stuff, because, you know, I don't want to just shoot them because you can get out the coyotes and raccoons and, and see, that's a relationship that, that should happen, Roy. Like even, let's say you trap them, right? You buy some traps and you decide to trap them. That's something fun you can do while checking on your deer, but also to manage the predators on there. But also, let's say you develop a friendship with your local trapper. You guys can go together and learn together and have fun and uh, maybe even bow hunt together there, you know, later on. After, yeah. <laughs> you know, and... Uh, but it's very important that even if you're not allowing a trapper in there, 
maybe you like in your situation, Roy, you start managing the, the wildlife yourself because it's very important when you have 20 coyotes running through one river bottom, they're going to be killing right. deer, you know, yeah. and you can help your own situation. Um, at bow season i would hate to see guys who put in all the work and then they get to bow season and their butts been dead 40 yards off the way that they didn't know about because the coyotes right. so yeah, that's they do kill a lot they do they do they kill every day they kill every day and the colder it gets the more they kill um, that's the yeah. thing about predators so. yeah that i'll have to check i i do know one trapper but he's in council bluffs so he's that's Iowa trapper cool. like you and uh I'm in Nebraska so I don't know how that would work I don't know if you can transfer him over but uh, uh he probably know a trapper over here that I can like I do know a guy he used the trap I don't know if he still does it lives up the street so I'll see if yeah, he still traps and and it's like okay if I get him here um yeah, yeah you guys <laughs> should connect you guys should connect and maybe he can give you hints on uh trapping some other things if you have questions and maybe if he bow hunts, he can be like, hey, Roy, what do, what do you do that helps you bow out there? You know? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to see if I can check with him and see, you know, what what we can do because we can put some traps because we know where one of the dens are at because we we see it all the time and, and we That's can see right. it. And there's a couple in there. And and it's it's a, actually a spot where the deer have been coming through during uh, hunting season yeah. right before shooting time. And that's yeah. also right where I see – I've seen more traffic on uh, coyotes and raccoons in that that one area, and and it's kind of nobody. You can't really see it from the road. You really can't see that corner very well. There's a couple spots you can, but it's kind of back out of the out of nowhere and um, right in the corner. And there's a cornfield on one side and alfalfa in this one, and I think there's corn on the other side. And then go to the hill, there's more corn, but you know it's yeah. right there. So um, we just don't have a good place to put a tree stand up. <laughs> Yeah, that's another thing, Roy. I I had this perfect location that these nice bucks were traveling every every day along a pond, but there was not a tree for like there was a couple dead trees, and there's not a good spot for a blind. And I was like, you got to be kidding me! Like, how can I figure this out? So I didn't have any ideas because, you know, it, it's a trail and it goes on the side of a hill, and there's no trees that are that aren't dead that you you know yeah and there's just a little brush there but they but the bucks see you coming so it was just kind of one i had that happen to me several years ago and i was like and i still can't hunt that spot and there's still big bucks <laughs> that go by there all the time <laughs> yeah that's a rifle spot <laughs> yeah that yeah that's right maybe i just need to switch weapons at that point yeah well, and <laughs> And around here now, it used to be rifle during rifle season, archery shut down. Now they just let it go. But we have to wear the orange and everything else. But, you know, I'm to going under rifles. Yeah, to bow hunt during the rifle, the nine days of rifle season, you got to wear yeah. orange because okay, you're out there. Other, hunt, other hunters are out there with high power rifles. They need to be able to see you. Other than that, we just wear camo. See, they had that conversation here in Iowa too. But I didn't know how it turned out because, uh, you know, obviously the rifle season's newer to us. Um, right. And our troop conflicting with, um, they, I know some guys mentioned it at our local DNR meeting. Um, 
I went, I go to the DNR meetings so I can talk with the other guys about whitetail, about pheasant, about ducks, about trapping, all of it. And they were having that discussion because it, I mean, at the end of the day out there, nobody wants to hurt another hunt out. Right. You know, so, so it's interesting you said that because here in Iowa, I don't know that that conversations uh, happened on the bigger level. Yet. Well, even non-hunters, you, you know, I've, I've seen some people out walking around as, you know, this is rifle season. If you're out walking around, you probably need to wear orange just so that they yeah. can see you. Um, you yeah. know, it is rifle season, especially, you know, those that like to walk through the forest and, you know, areas where they, they could be hunting. It's like, you know, put your orange on. You're not hunting. You don't have to have a permit, but wear that orange. And, yeah, yeah. Just protect yourself. Nobody wants anybody to get hurt or die at no. the end of the day out there. We all want to enjoy the outdoors together um, safely, you know. And, and just because they're walking around doesn't mean they've ruined your hunt. No, no, because it doesn't. As you've probably seen, you know, somebody's walking down that you're just going to move in circles around, goes behind them. Yeah. You know, if they're yeah. coming in, they just circle around. Uh, you know, they don't get spooked and they can chase them to you like they did one time. They chased them right to me. And That's a little earlier, but, you know, then I was planning. But, <laughs> you know, one of those things that, you know, people walking around and, isn't always a bad thing and it's not sometimes some days those deer even when it's you think they should be moving sometimes they'll just bed down um you know for whatever reason that we don't know and uh sometimes you're right it's great to have somebody out walking around somewhere you know to kind of stir things up get things moving yeah. um I, I've had days where I thought for sure that the deer would be moving around and I'm out there for hours and there's not one deer walk by <laughs> and it's not even cold, you know, and you're like, yeah. okay, somebody needs to do something out there. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, uh, you just never know, you know, some places, you know, you might be and they see a human or smell a human or hear one, they're the next county over. Uh, and other yeah. places they just they just walk a couple of feet not out of sight and let you walk by and yeah that's you know, right there there was one as was hunting it used to be old railroad tracks and the one lady um she used to walk those tracks every day you know that just yeah. she'd walk uh she lived up the hill from it so she'd walk those tracks every day because it was kind of right her property's right next to it and then we was hunting the other property so it's kind of like a yeah. no man's zone in between there and, and I was walking out this one time and I look over and here's this deer bedded down maybe 10 feet off of this trail. I looked over at it. I just kept walking. Yeah. I didn't get up and move. If I'd have stopped, it'd have been gone. That, you know, that that's interesting you say that. My dad always told me when we were hunting in a shotgun group, when you're the guy walking, pushing, you know, driving the deer, he said, if you think there's a deer, it's really brushy sometimes just stop real quick and he said and if they're there a lot of times that'll kick them up but otherwise right. they'll like to walk right on by them yeah you know they i even looked at it and, and it looked over at me and it just kept going she just thought i was normal walker and, and <laughs> you know i had my bow in my hand there's just nothing i could do you know i yeah. just kept going i knew if i stopped it'd be gone i'd had to walk way off and then you know start sneaking back really slowly and take off my boots because i make too much noise <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. That that's why you know you wear the moccasins and they're a lot softer. 
Yeah. You, know, you, don't, you don't crunch your feet to kind of foam around it, but you know, depends on how, a, how your feet good, are walking outside. That's a good point of conversation too, is, um, you know, guys, a lot of times wear boots, but moccasins were made uh, because they were quieter and, and more comfortable, you right. know, I believe. And uh, yeah, it, you know, I was watching, uh, is it Steve Rinelli, the uh, meat eater? You ever watch that? Oh yeah, yeah. I watched uh, his show quite a bit. Him and uh, oh Hogan, uh, oh the speaker for the UFC. I'm a big fan oh. of him. Yeah, yeah, I, I I know you're talking about. I just can't. I can't think, think of his name, name right either. now. And uh, anyways, he 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 was bow hunting, uh, and I. I can't remember. They were hunting whitetail or something. Um, and he was trying to sneak up on these deer before dark. And uh, they had split up and he kicked off his shoes and barefooted. Um, so he wouldn't kick them up. And he did a good job. He got close, but it was just too dark to send a shot. Right. Um, but, but uh, you know, he, he went rogue. He went old fashioned style. He kicked off the shoes and, and sometimes it's worth it. And it pays off. I, I, I did that one time. I was, I was going down and here's the, this little road that was the farmer used to go between one field and another field. And there's there's grasses growing up on side and, and it got smaller and smaller and smaller and to where it was about maybe foot and a half tall is all the grass was. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to, and this deer was bedded down, oh, maybe 10 feet off the road. And I took off my boots. So I'm in my my wool socks and, and I'm I'm sneaking up there and I got right even with it i was 10 yeah. feet away from the deer now i have a compound bow in my hand <laughs> yeah. you can't shoot them sideways like a crossbow if i had a crossbow no. i could have shot it and i'm like now what do i do i got this close i'm you know dead shot right here but yeah. i know if i if i try and get up high enough i can draw that bow it's going to see me move because i'm way too yeah. close to it and yeah. I'm not going to get, get a shot off anyway. And it's like, but I got so close to it. It's like, oh, this is kind of cool. <laughs> you know, because I'd, I'd, I'd heard that, you know, walking in your boots makes a lot more noise. Walking in, in your socks or bare feet or moccasins is going to be a lot quieter. And, yeah, and, yeah. and you can say when you walk and you step on a stick with your boots, it breaks. Every now, time. And, and your oh, bare feet okay. or socks or moccasins, your foot kind of forms around it. It doesn't break. And, and so I wanted oh, to try it. That's right. That's right. It, it worked good. It's just yeah. I wasn't in a position to take the shot. So I just got yeah. way out of position. Yeah. Now, but with, I mean, with was... the where you curve, it, you could have shot side. You know, you could shoot sideways, you know, if you but, practice it. But but you learned from that, didn't you? You learned right. a lot from that experience. Yeah. That's, and that's cool. That's what makes bow hunting. And uh, being an outdoorsman, just fun all the way around. Is oh yeah, things. And and when you're up in your tree stand and they they walk underneath your tree stand, it's like you're looking through the grate on your tree stand, and there's your deer. <laughs> <laughs> like like man, I that's really not how it was supposed to go today. <laughs> yeah, and they walk underneath, and I had one that was oh, it was it was a close. I could see the hair change color when I shot it. Oh my. Because it sliced, because the underneath side is kind of gray and then the reddish on the outside, you know, yeah. at the time of year I was doing that. And I seen 
the hair turned gray where I hit it. That, I exactly that, where I hit it because I seen the hit. <laughs> that that's that's a good feeling too. <laughs> yeah, it's like okay, I know this is a good shot. I know exactly where it hit. I don't have yeah. to wonder where I hit it because I can see I seen it change colors. Yeah, and... that's right. That's right. You know, um, Roy. So a whole other aspect of bow hunting is when you hit a deer and it runs off and you can't find it. And oh, yeah. Uh, so in the trapping in, in world, I got a dog that I um, that I've been training for trapping for when I run drags on my traps where I catch a coyote right. off. Makes you wonder. Um, I know there's a guy near here who's a whitetail outfitter, and he has dogs trained to track deer for those situations. So he's on call. So you can literally call him, and he has dogs that will track and find your deer for you, for you know, for a fee. But well, it makes yeah. you wonder. It makes you wonder if if your average uh, guy who just loves bow hunting, maybe it's it's you should have uh, a dog, you know what I mean? Um, some, somebody who can help you track a deer if you get one um, and you can't find it or the blood trail goes, goes dry. Um, you know, and being a trapper and a hunter, I know that a lot of times, and, and you, you, I'm sure you know this too, Roy, is that they just, they go for brush right? Like a big brush pile, that buck can crawl up in that thing and you may never find it. But, oh, if, yeah. but if you got a dog that's trained to smell, that dog could take you to that exact spot. Yeah. I, I had one time I, I shot a deer. It was in fairly close. It run around, it run out into the field, 30 yards away, stopped broadside. That's like, okay, I shot it once. I'm going to stick another arrow in it. So yeah. I'm, I actually used my, my safety harness to hold me up because I had to get around a tree and I shot it again. Now, if I hadn't shot it, might've just laid down there and, and been done, but no, it ran yeah. up the top of the hill and where it ended up going was it took a right turn in the brush and kind of buried in the brush. And we're walking around for a couple hours trying to find, can't find nothing. So we finally go back and, and sure enough, like, did it go in here? And it looked in it. Sure enough, that's where it went, went in. And, yeah. You know, it just normally they don't take a right turn, but it's going up there. We figured, okay, it's going to go. It can either go this way, this way. No, it went up, took a right turn, right into the brush, and and hit down in there. <laughs> and that's and that's a, a good lesson for a new bow hunter. Um, maybe in the future, you know, if you're a new bow hunter, if you don't have a dog, you maybe before season line up a friend who does, because a lot of times, yeah. like rule, if you hadn't seen that you may not be able to find blood for a hundred yards, 200 yards sometimes, you know? Oh if, yeah. And, and that, that dog's going to take you to that exact spot and right where that deer ran in to that brush. And, and that may be the only way you find your deer is with the, with the nose of a dog. Yeah. I, I know there, there's times when, you know, I had my hunting dog that, uh, it was kind of weird. He was, he was an interesting dog, but he was going out. And at that time, the place was at, they actually stocked some pheasants. So they were a little more sit tight. Okay. Uh, I think they did it one year. It really didn't do much good because they won't survive if they're not shot. So I'm yeah. going along and he sticks his nose down. He's pointing down at this lump of grass. 
Awesome. Yeah. Come on, let, let's go. And went, no, so stuck his head back down in there. And I said, come on, let's go. Next thing, just buried his head under the ground and pulled out a pheasant. <laughs> but it wasn't shot or nothing. It was still alive. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just he, wouldn't move and he knew it was there and he just snatched it up and like, okay. <laughs> and see, that's, Roy, that's why I got hooked on canine and, and bobcat trapping and stuff is because some of the uh, noses and instincts of these animals just blow my mind like that, you know. Um, like he knew it was there. You would have walked, you or I would have walked past it, never had right. a clue. Yeah, <laughs> when because the, they didn't kick up because we're standing there a couple times, you know, it just sat tight and, you know, nose, nose said it was there. And, you know, on the same <laughs> trip, he went running off. And next thing you know, it comes out of a forest area and pulled out a pheasant that had been shot. It was planted in the, in the trees and <laughs> isn't that crazy crazy stuff yeah amazing how good their noses are and it really is it really is um well roy i hate to say i gotta cut out but my wife if i don't cook these steaks soon she's gonna cook me <laughs> <laughs> well it's it, it's time to eat i got a couple things i need to get done too and, and get some food in me and yeah, it's been been really great talking with you. It's been a lot of fun, and I learned a lot from from the the show. I think your camera froze. There you are. Yeah, yeah you, you froze on me here. <laughs> okay, sorry about that, but I I just yeah. want to say thank you for the opportunity, Roy, and it it was a great time talking with you uh, this yeah. afternoon. I've learned a lot. Um, I said just before you, you froze. I, I've learned a lot out of, out of this and got some more ideas. And and you know that's the fun part of this. You get to talk to, you know, archers, hunters, trappers, fishermen. You know everything. It's just all we just have fun outdoors. Yeah. Yep. I had a great time and I learned a lot from talking to you, Roy. And it really got you know my wheels spinning and yeah. my passion for it going. So. Uh, I, I just really appreciate the opportunity and, and for anybody who listened, I hope it was as fun as it was for us. <laughs> I know it sure was fun. And sometimes we get talking too long and like, yeah, okay. Now today <laughs> that's most of what I've done. I've probably spent four hours talking on, on about archery today <laughs> or longer. Well, now it's time for you to eat some food too. Yeah. Time to go get something to eat. And, uh, yeah, it's it's been great talking with you, and I'm sure we'll we'll talk again later. That sounds good, Roy. And uh, you can message me and get a hold of me anytime. And uh, so can anybody who listened to this. Um, I'm No Name Trapper on YouTube. Uh, Logan X Lines my name on Facebook. Uh, I'll talk outdoors with anybody. Um, and Roy, you're a great guy. I'm sure you enjoy it as much as I do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun and. And yeah, I'll put some links in the description on how to get a hold of you. And okay. I appreciate that. Appreciate yeah. that. My name is Roy Canterbury, and I've been host today on Arch Talk 101. Uh, with Logan is our special guest today. And uh, thanks for watching or listening. And we'll see you next time.